Welcome to worship. We're so glad you're here with us today. My name is Sheila and I'll be your host for this online worship experience. If this is your first time worshiping with us, we wanna give you a very special welcome. If you wouldn't mind to check in with us and provide your email address, this coming week, we will send you a gift card and the coffee is on us. This is week five of our sermon series on the fruit of the spirit. Pastor Spencer has a great message just ahead for all of us. And speaking of that message, you'll find sermon discussion questions and more online at schweitzer.church/next. And now, here's Corey with our announcements. Hello, welcome to Schweitzer Church. I'm Corey Lucivo, Director of Connections. As a Christ-centered church, we are always looking for ways to help people grow in their faith. And one of the ways this happens is through small groups and classes. We have a ton of groups and classes that you can be a part of. Specifically, on Wednesday nights, we offer adult small groups and programs for kids and students, all beginning at 6.30 p.m. And to make Wednesdays even more convenient, we offer Chick-fil-A meals beginning at 5.15 p.m. for $5 each. Don't forget to pre-order your meal at the Blue Booth or online at schweitzer.church Wednesdays. This fall, we launched a new ministry that is really serving our community in amazing ways. Here's Sydney to share more about how you can support Embrace Grace this month. Hi, my name is Sydney Sheltnick, and I work on staff as the graphic designer, but I'm also involved in a lot of programs around campus. Hopefully by now, you've heard about the new outreach ministry we launched this semester called Embrace Grace. This 12-week support group is for single women who are either pregnant or have just had a baby. Our Sunday morning classes are each sponsoring one of the moms to provide them with the most essential items more specific to their individual needs. In addition to these sponsorships, we're also asking for your help to make our moms feel loved and special. We have 14 mothers in our program this semester and God is moving in big ways. On November 4th, we'll be hosting a special day for our moms, which will conclude with a huge baby shower. We wanna invite you to participate by taking one of the paper onesies off the back window, purchase the item and bring it back by October 22nd. We also wanna invite you to join us for the baby shower on November 4th at 3.30 p.m. in Memorial Hall. For more information, come find me or one of our volunteers in the Fellowship Center after service. Thanks for sharing, Sydney. Next Saturday, October 14th, there are some great opportunities for you to connect. We'll begin the day with a guy's breakfast at 8 a.m. in Memorial Hall with guest speaker, Hosey Ballou, and music from the Gospel Fossil Band. This is open to guys of all ages. Then in the Student Center from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., our Schweitzer ladies will host an event where we'll learn what it means to love God and love our community. We'll have guest speakers Rebecca Brimmer from Bridges for Peace and Sharon Jeffess will guide us in a Canvas art creation. You can learn more and sign up for both of these events in the Fellowship Center today. The very next day on Sunday the 15th, we will have our Schweitzer Church Foundation launch and dessert at 3 p.m. and then our night of worship at 6 p.m. A couple more opportunities for the end of October to keep in mind. If you're new to Schweitzer and wanna know more about us, join us on October 22nd after the second service 
for our Next Steps Lunch, which is a great place to learn more about who we are as a church. And on October 27th at 6 p.m., our second season ministry is hosting an evening of inspiration for the whole church as guest speaker Sarah Forhetz shares her story. You can learn more about these opportunities at schweitzer.church next or by visiting the Blue Booth in the Fellowship Center today. Once again, thank you so much for being here. Now, let's continue in worship. Thanks, Corey, for those great announcements. I want to remind you that you're welcome to join us for any or all of these great things that are happening right now at Schweitzer Church. You can find out more online at schweitzer.church next. If you're joining us live for worship today, we invite you to join in the chat. Say hello to your friends or give us your insights. And if you find yourself in need of prayer, we have someone waiting for you right now in the prayer room. Just press that prayer button and we'll be right with you. And now, let's continue in worship. Could never afford 
As we come to this time of prayer, I invite you to join me as we go to our Heavenly Father. Let's pray together. Holy God, we thank you for the opportunity just to talk with you anytime we feel like it. We know that you are always with us, but sometimes we push you away. Holy God, we thank you for the joy of friendship and of people who are so kind in reaching out to us in times of need. We pray that we might be those people. We pray that we might be your hands and feet as we share your love with others. And Lord, we wanna lay all of these concerns at your feet that weigh us down so many times. We wanna pray for those who are sick and suffering, for those who are living in uncertainty, for those who are living without knowing where their next meal or their next place to sleep is. God, we know you've already got this figured out, but we ask your divine intervention. We ask your spirit to be with us so that we can relax and know that you've got it all. God, we thank you for the joy of worship. And as we continue to pray together today, we wanna to pray that prayer that your son taught us, saying together, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we come to this time of offering, it's my joy to share with you about ministries that happen in and through Schweitzer Church. On our church campus, we share so many great things with the community and with our congregation. In particular, we have a building called Hoffman Hall. Hoffman Hall is home to NAAA and the scouting program here at Schweitzer. We're so happy to host these groups that make a difference in our community and in the lives of the people that are served by it. Just recently, we finished a wonderful mural on the side of Hoffman Hall that just shows God's love and God's beauty and shares this with the community. It enhances our campus, it enhances the building, and provides a beautiful place for people to share with one another. It's because of your generosity that things like this happen. Thank you so much for supporting this ministry and so many other things that happen here at Schweitzer Church. I do want to remind you that you can give online at schweitzer.church give. And now, here's Pastor Spencer with week five of our sermon series, The Fruit of the Spirit.
Well, welcome today. My name is Spencer. I'm so glad that you've joined us. Uh, today, we're continuing our series um, over the fruit of the Spirit. Very, very, very famous verse, Galatians 5, 23 goes like this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the plan for this series is really simple. Every week, we're just taking one of these words and we are diving in deep. And so this is part five. So we're gonna look at the uh, fifth word here, kindness, the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. To say that differently, the outgrowth, the natural outgrowth of, of living in the Holy Spirit, of being a disciple of Jesus, is kindness. And, and the reason for this is because this is what God is like. This is His nature, His character, um, how we should think about God, what His attributes are. God is kind. We see this throughout the Bible. I think about verses like Isaiah 54, verse 8. With everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Romans 2, chapter 4, God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. Titus, chapter 3, verse 4. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy. The character, the nature, the heart of God is kindness. This is what God is like. Now, as we talk about kindness today, we should take some time to define this because um, there are all kinds of ways that kindness gets mixed up with other things. And when we do this, we we miss just how incredibly compelling and challenging kindness really is. And so um, one of the things we miss, mix this up with, we confuse kindness, is with another word that we use all the time. We just tend to use these two words interchangeably, even though they mean very different things. And that other word is nice. Now, Kindness and uh, niceness are not the same things. To, to be nice is to be pleasant, to be agreeable, to uh, not be offensive, to be pleasant, to have good manners. So to be nice is to open the door for someone, to say please and thank you. Um, I'm married to a Texan, so in our house we have like Southern manners that get worked out. Yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. That's how we teach our kids to talk. And and uh, that's that's to be nice. It's, it's it's to have manners, it's to be pleasant, it's to be agreeable, it's not to be offensive. And and to be nice, of course, is important. I mean, that's a good thing to, to, to have in life, so don't get me wrong, to be nice is important, but it's not part of Christian living. I mean, to be nice is just simply how you function as a, as a human in this world to, to treat others in that kind of way. But, but to be kind is something else entirely. It's not rooted in manners. As we talk about kindness for the Spirit, we're talking about an attribute that is rooted in the gospel. It's about the, the, the people, the new people that we become when we belong to Jesus. The, the word kindness... Um, it comes from the word kin. It's about family. As we think about what the gospel does and how we become new people when we belong to Jesus, we, we become uh, kin with him as well as with one another. I mean, family is a major metaphor in the New Testament to describe the Christian life. I think about John chapter 14, Jesus says his father's house has many rooms. And what he's describing there is how in his father's kingdom, his, his father is welcoming us to, to be his children, to live in his house as, as family does. I think about in Romans, we are said to be heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. I mean, that's language of family. I think about how in, in Romans as well, we are taught to call God 
um, are Abba, which is Aramaic for daddy, like a child would call their father. Um, I think about how in Hebrews we are, we are taught that we become brothers and sisters along with Jesus, that, that he calls us his brother and sister, our brother and sister. And this is just a, a common metaphor that we read throughout um, the New Testament. One of the most common words to describe our relationship with one another um, in the church is uh, the Greek word adelphoi, which is usually translated as brothers and sisters. Again, it's the language of family that we read just throughout the New Testament because as we think about the, the root of gospel kindness, it's that we belong to the Father through Jesus. And when we do this, we belong to a new family, new kin, that's kindness is kin, um, that we have now one another. So I thought today what we should do is spend some time exploring this and get practical. What, is this, what does this new family look like? How does it operate? How does it function? What are the expectations of this? And so one of my favorite places, you see some of this uh, detailed teaching about this new family, this new kin, is in Romans chapter 12. This is one of my favorite verse, uh, chapters in the Bible. And we're going to read the whole chapter um, because it's all about this new family, this new kin, this way that it functions. And we're just going to go through this kind of slow. Um, and we're going to see some very specific teaching of what this looks like um, in action. So Romans 12 starts off like this. Verse 1 starts off with the word, therefore, 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 which is always an important word in the Bible. Now, if you've never read Romans before, um, Romans 1 through 11 is a detailed teaching. It's incredibly rich. It's deep. It's uh, profound. It's so beautiful. And it describes all that God has done um, in Christ for us, for the nations, for all of creation, that God has saved us and, and, and welcomed us into his family. That's, that's Romans 12 or 1 through 1 through 11. It's, it's very theological, very deep. And then Romans 12 is a turning point where we get practical and specific. And so therefore is here, verse 1, because it's like, okay, because of all that God has done um, in Christ, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, the Greek word there, Adelphoi, common metaphors um, in the New Testament to describe our relationship with one another. Brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, because this is what brings this new family together is God's mercy. So I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice. So offer to God all of who you are. Offer to God your, your life, your body, your thoughts, your emotions, your relationships, your, your ambitions, your identity, your time, your, your sexuality, your career, your decisions, your motives, your vocation, your retirement, your singleness, your marriage your skills, your talents, your finances, your resources. Offer all of who you are as a living sacrifice because now you belong to Jesus. You don't belong to yourself. You don't belong to your career. You don't belong to another person. You don't belong to some identity that someone else puts on you. No, no, no. You belong to Christ so offer yourself to him in every aspect of who you are. Now, the sacrifice that we make of ourselves to the Lord is, as we read here, holy and pleasing to God. 
This is your true and proper worship. Not just singing songs on Sunday, but offering all of who you are to God. Verse two, do not conform to the pattern of this world. So you do not belong to this world. You do not belong to the patterns of this world. So therefore do not live like this world. Do not live like your city. Do not live like your neighbors. Do not live like your unbelieving family of origin. Do not live like your nation. Do not live like your political party. Do not live like your ideology. Do not live like your cable news station. Do not, do not conform to the pattern of this world because you do not belong to this world. Instead, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So how do you do that? Well, it starts as you submit to God through his word. And when that happens, we keep reading here, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So submitting to God, we um, we come to live into, into God's wills. Now, this, this, these first two verses here in Romans 12, all about this new family, this kin that we have in Christ, these are like umbrella statements of this new life that we have. So it's like, therefore, don't live the old way, live this new way. And now for the rest of the chapter, we're going to get much more practical and specific about what this looks like to not conform to the patterns of this world. So verse three, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. So do not live with hubris pride, conceit, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. So humility, 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 humility. This is the prerequisite for this, this family that belongs to Jesus. Verse four, for just as each of us has one body with many members, right? I've thumbs and elbows and skin and a skeleton and ears and toes. Like we all have many parts of our body. And then keeps reading here. These members do not all have the same function. My elbows do not do the same thing as my thumbs. Um, so in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. I want you to catch that last line that we just read there. Each member belongs to all the others. The implication is we do not belong to ourselves. Verse six, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with the faith, with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. Um, if it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And I don't think this is an exhaustive list of all the spiritual gifts, but I just want you to notice that these spiritual gifts um, are given to us um, not to benefit us, not gifts to us, they're gifts to be used for others, for, for our brothers and sisters, the Adelphoi around us, the brothers and sisters in Christ. Verse nine, the tone is gonna change and Paul, who's writing this, is gonna give us 25 um, really quick commands, like bop, 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 just move through this. And, and this is all about how life works with our, our Adelphoi, our brothers and sisters. So verse nine, love must be sincere. This new life, it comes from the heart. It's not just obligation. It's this new life is, is, is being transformed from the inside out. It's not just about being nice. It's about this new life that comes from the heart. Um, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. So as Adelphoi, our brothers and sisters, we live together with Jesus's moral vision of life and, and uh, for our lives and for one another. Verse 10, be devoted to one another in love, not devoted to 
just to God, but also to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. To honor someone is to uh, to recognize their unique and special contribution, uh, what they've what they've done for you, for the church, um, so to praise them and thank them and give them their due. Verse 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. That word your there is plural. It's more like y'all's spiritual fervor. So you all do this. You say spiritually alive together. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. So we suffer together because of our shared conviction of Jesus and his kingdom. And sometimes we suffer together because of our shared conviction of Jesus and his kingdom as we um, sometimes suffer because of those convictions. Verse 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need. So those of us who have extra, whether it's a lot or a little, we share with the, with our Adelphoi, our brothers and sisters. Um, practice hospitality. So open your home, open your life, spend time together, invite people, include people, um, take people to lunch, get coffee, open your homes to people, um, spend time together. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. So when you face hostility and criticism, um, especially as we face hostility and criticism because we're not being conformed to the pattern of this world. So there's hostility and criticism that comes from that. Uh, we don't respond in kind. Instead, we respond together like Jesus would. Verse 15, rejoice those with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn so we don't stand aloof from one another. We mourn together and celebrate together. Live in harmony with one another. That's, again, we're moving again together towards uh, God's Christ's will for us. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Again, you can hear this um, this, this line, pride, you know, comes back into play. Pride has no room for, for the family of Jesus. And so with that, this last line here, do not be conceited. Verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I want you to notice that both words there end with the word everyone. And for the people pleasers among us, that's a really hard verse. It might stress us out because we think we got to have peace with everyone. But notice what Paul's really teaching here is not to make everyone happy, but rather to take personal responsibility for our relationships and our lives and how this impacts other people. Because reconciliation takes, you know, it's a two-way street. So don't let it be your fault that there is um, uh, conflict out there. You, you live at peace as far as it depends on you. You take responsibility for yourself. Verse 19, do not take revenge, my dear friends but leave room for God's wrath for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So trust your vindication, your reputation, and your cause to the Lord. Trust God with your heart, your conflict, your disagreements. On verse 20, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. And then, so this idea is outdo your enemy here with love. And then verse 21, to sum all of this up, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So what does kindness look like? Well, it looks like Romans chapter 12. It looks like a people that's built around the gospel of Jesus Christ who are together seeking to live into his kingdom, to honor him, to live a different ethos and values in the world around them. It looks like a family that has moved beyond just being nice to one another, but is actually serving and has embraced this new kind of family of self-sacrifice and service for one another because they all belong to the kingdom of God. Now, I chose to read from Romans 12 um, because I love it, but I wanted to show this kindness in action, what this new kin looks like. But honestly, I, I could have gone to a number of places in the New Testament that give very similar teaching to this. 
And, and just that fact alone, that there's so much in the New Testament that talks about how the church, the Adelphoi, the brothers and sisters live together, is such a fascinating idea to me. And it's fascinating because I tend to do something that I think is pretty common, maybe you do it too, but I tend to um, think about the first couple generations of Christians, like the people who would have received this letter in Romans. I, I tend to think about these early Christians with a sense of idealism, right? I tend to think that, you know, it was the early church where things were really humming and things were, people got along and there was this unity and this mission and, you know, there wasn't this institutionalism and bureaucracy that we see maybe in modern American churches and, and uh, there wasn't all these denominations and man-made divisions that were there. And sometimes I just think to myself, ah, if we could only get back, you know, to what it was like then, then maybe we would really see God move again. And I was just kind of, I idealize sometimes the, these first Christians. And then I read Romans chapter 12 and I think to myself, well, why did Paul write all that? Why did he write this lengthy 21 verses about the new family, this new kin that we have with one another? And, and talk about things like using our gifts to serve others. And um, talk about getting rid of and rejecting pride and conceit and hubris. Why did he write about forgiveness and reconciliation and why did he write about being devoted to one another in this new family that we have? Like, why did he write these things? Um, well, he wrote these things because this is what people were struggling with. I mean, the, the early church, however much we might want to idealize it, the truth is that they struggled with these, this new family, this new kin, this gospel kindness, just like today. Because it turns out that to live as a Delphoi, brothers and sisters, in to live in this new family as kin is to swim upstream against, well, our own sinful nature, our own flesh and our own desires, as well as the cultural influences around us. And so if you want to live in this new Adelphoi, this brothers and sisters, this new family, this gospel kindness, you have to live in a different kind of way. I mean, think about what life would have been like in the first century in a city like Rome as they received this, this letter. I mean, the gospel message usually spread from different cities in the Greek and Roman world uh, through the synagogues. That's usually how it moved into different towns. Um, and the first Christians, therefore, were all Jews. And then they started to, to share this gospel message outside of the synagogues and Gentiles started to believe. And eventually you started to have these new communities. Um, we call them church. They called them ecclesia. That was the Greek word for them. They started to form in these cities. And this new ecclesia, these churches, these communities that began to form were made up of people who were very, very, very different. People who had nothing to do with one another. Jews and Gentiles, slaves and free people, rich and poor, men and women who usually didn't have anything to do with each other in that culture. Um, you had Roman citizens, and then you had those who were citizens of nations who had been conquered by Rome, which would have created all kinds of strange political differences within these local churches. And so the temptation in the first century in a city like Rome, it would have been to buy into the tribalism of their day, the tribalism that, that creates these, these divisions among them, which is, of course, human nature. I don't know that tribes are necessarily, you know, bad because it's just about forming close-knit communities, but tribalism is a terrible thing when you start to elevate your own tribe over others and you judge and you condemn and you, and you exclude people from, from, uh, from being a part of, of what you're doing. That's a really harmful way to live. I've heard it said like this that tribalism is anti-community. 
And it's anti-community because tribalism is not built off of mutual love for one another. It's built off mutual hatred of people who aren't in the tribe. And so therefore, it's, it's anti-community. But if you know if you're lonely, depressed, if you're anxious, if you're isolated, then it makes a ton of sense that you would choose tribalism because that anti-community is at least better than no community. And we certainly see that all the time. If you spend any time on social media today, the same kinds of dynamics um, at work. So the early Christians, they swam upstream against that kind of tribalism of their day. And they, and they did so because they realized that they couldn't live like their culture lived. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. That's what Paul wrote in, in, in verse two. So they, they had to live differently. They had to, they had to live a different kind of way and they, they weren't gonna live according to the patterns of this world because they were developing a new kin, a new family. So however difficult it would have been in the first century to live this new family, and the, the reason why it had to be written, of course, was because it was difficult. However difficult it would have been then, I think it's just as difficult today to, to live into this new, new way. I mean, to live Romans 12 is to live in this gospel kindness with virtues like humility and generosity and service and sacrifice and forgiveness. And this is to swim upstream against our own sinful nature and the cultural values that are around us. I mean, I can't help but think when I read Romans 12, just how much of this flies in the face of the individualism and consumerism and the hedonism of modern culture. I mean, our culture teaches us to put ourselves first. So you pursue your own happiness. You, you, you look within yourselves for truth, right? You gotta live my own truth. And so you're looking within yourself for your own meaning and purpose. And so we live in a culture that is obsessed with self, self-discovery, self-actualization, self-expression, self-fulfillment, self, 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 self. This is how the culture works. And of course, this, this elevation of self has left us more lonely, more isolated, more depressed. Um, it leads to greater tribalism because you end up only wanting to be with people who affirm what you believe, um, your own version of truth. But also these values fly right in the face of the way of Jesus. Because Jesus taught that the way to find life was not through self-elevation, but rather through, and self-discovery and self-actualization, self-expression, but rather through self-sacrifice, self-denial, putting myself last. Like these are the values of gospel kindness, and it flies right in the face of the modern culture around us. And this is this is a new way of living. And when you live into this new way of living that Jesus invites us to, this gospel kindness with different values, a whole new world has opened up before you. This reminds me of a story I've shared with you before. Um, it's gonna sound familiar if you're part of our church because I've shared the story several times, but I wanna share a story about myself um, just and quickly tell you just in a few minutes here, the story of, of why I became a pastor. So. Um, people sometimes talk about being called into ministry, like pastoral ministry, and like, you know, God called me to do this. And sometimes it sounds like God spoke to them. That was not my experience at all. I never heard the voice of God say, you know, Spencer, thou shalt go do this, or um, clouds never parted, or it wasn't like some big mystical experience. Um, rather for me, my story is much simpler than that. And it really has to do more with like the kind of stuff we just read in Romans 12. Because when I was in college, I, I went to church. And by that, what I mean is that I sat on the back row. I enjoyed the music. I enjoyed the preaching. I made a few friends, um, but I'd sit in the back and I'd basically leave when it was over. That was like my connection to the church. 
But one Sunday I was there and I was reading through the bulletin because we didn't have iPhones then. And um, as I was reading the bulletin, there was an announcement asking for people to help with the youth group. And for whatever reason, I can't explain it. At this point, I think it was the providence of God. But at that point, I, I don't know why I did, but I thought, you know, I should volunteer. So I checked my name and wrote it down. And, and uh, later the, the youth director called me and um, wanted to get to know me. And we, you know, he asked me what I wanted to do. And I said, ah, put me, put me wherever you want, because I thought that's what good Christians said. Turns out that's not what you say to the youth director. So I found myself, um, because I said that, leading uh, every Sunday night, co-leading with some other people, a uh, Bible study, small group Bible study for seventh grade boys. And so every Sunday night for a whole school year, I'd show up week after week after week after week, and I'd lead this Bible study. And looking back, I can't believe that there was anything profound that came out of our time together. But something happened to me in the, in the midst of showing up week after week after week and using my gifts um, to serve my brothers every Sunday night. And this thing that happened to me, it wasn't quick. It wasn't like this light bulb moment where all of a sudden I saw things differently, but it was this slow realization that, that this is what I want to do with my life, not lead this small group, but I wanted to teach the people of God, the word of God. And that's not language I would use then, but it's language I've come to since then that I've understood more and more about this call that God put on my life. But that experience that started with me just checking my name on the bulletin and just you know, raising my hand and saying yes, it turned into a watershed moment for me, even though I didn't realize it at then, because I was young, you know, maybe 19, 20 years old. I don't remember how old I was, but it was a watershed moment for me because it was the first time in my life that I, I really saw the difference between going to church because I'm a Christian and being the church using my gifts for the benefit of the body, being part of the family, of discovering and then using my gifts to build up other people, my brothers on that Sunday night, of, of giving to myself and my time and my energy and my gifts for others when it would have been so much easier not to. And God changed me through that experience. So of course he did, right? Because that's Romans 12. I wasn't living in retrospect, I realized I wasn't, I made the switch from, from consuming the goods of the church, putting myself first, my preferences first, and instead I started to serve and to give and use my benefits, you know, my, my gifts to benefit others. And in a very small way, I mean, it's not a huge thing, but it was a small way I was beginning to make the switch from being conformed to the pattern of this world, of living for me, 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 to understanding that God wanted to use me for the benefit of others. That's the switch. It's a profound switch. It happened in a small way, but it's a profound switch. Now to say that switch differently, I, I might say it like this, that the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. The fruit of the Spirit is building this new family, it's kin. To the fruit of the Spirit is putting myself last and building others up. It's being generous with what God has given me. It's sharing my gifts with others. It's taking the back seat. It's seeking to serve instead of be served. It's rejecting the values of individualism and, and consumerism and hedonism and all the me, 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 me that our culture pushes down us. Instead, it's, it's learning to, to give for the sake of my Adelphoi, my brothers and sisters. The fruit of the Spirit is kindness. Not niceness, not, not manners, but self-sacrifice, self-denial, putting myself last for the sake of my brothers and sisters. And this is the natural outgrowth of walking with Christ, of serving Him, of seeking Him, of laying down our lives and denying ourselves and taking up our cross 
It's the natural outgrowth of practicing repentance and forgiveness and embracing humility instead of pride. And it's no wonder that as we walk with him, that we grow in this love of our brothers and sisters. Because as we walk with him, we're beginning to love the things that God loves. And do you know what God loves? But one of the things he loves is his church, his bride, our new family, our brothers and sisters, our Adelphoi in Christ. This is kindness. Let's pray. And so, Father, today, as we um, consider this gospel kindness of giving of ourselves for others, we, we, first of all, just acknowledge that this is to swim upstream. It's against ourselves, our own nature, to put ourselves last. It's certainly against our culture that just pushes me, 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 me. And so, Father, today, as we consider what this looks like, um, would you stir within us uh, a desire for your church to love our brothers and sisters because you love them? As we seek after you and serve you, we, we know that this is ultimately isn't about us. This is about you and your kingdom and what we can do. For some of us, we've been set on the sidelines of church. We've been set on the sidelines of our community, of, of, of being involved and getting to know people. And, and read, we read through Romans 12, we acknowledge that this does not look like us. We are not living gospel kindness because we are isolating ourselves. We are not engaging. And would you speak to us about this, that we might step into new relationships? For others of us, Lord, as we read this and think about this, just um, we pray for a spirit of encouragement um, over some of the work that we do. So we give ourselves for the sake of our brothers and sisters because we belong to a new family. And we thank you that it's through the work of Jesus that we have this hope in new life, that we don't have to conform to patterns of the world. We can be transformed in a new way of living. And so Lord, today, as we um, consider this, we just thank you for the sacrifice that you have made for us, that we can live in a different way. For anyone who's with us who doesn't know this mercy and grace of God, may today be a day where we cross that line of faith. We pray a simple prayer, Lord Jesus, would you forgive me my sin? Would you lead my life that we might live in a new kind of way? It's in the name of Jesus, our Savior, that we pray today. Amen. Thank you so much for being here with us today for worship. I wanna thank the team that made this service possible and in particular, thank Pastor Spencer for his meaningful message. If you know someone who would benefit from this message, we invite you to like it and share it on social media. Thank you so much for doing that. And now we invite you back next week for week six of our sermon series, The Fruit of the Spirit. God bless you and have a great week. Through the waters, walk me through the fire, 
do what you are famous for What you are famous for Shut the mouths of lions Bring dry bones to life And do what you are famous for What you are famous for I believe in you God, I believe in you Release your love inside of me. Release your power for all to see. Spirit, come and fall on us over and over. Oh, make way through the waters. Walk me through the fire. Do what you are. You will never fail Your name is powerful Your word's unstoppable All things are possible In you God of exceedingly God of abundantly More than we ask or think Lord, you will never fail Your name is powerful Your word's unstoppable are possible in you. Make way through the waters, walk me through the fire, do what you are famous for, you are famous for. Shut the mouths of lions, bring troubles to nothing, do what you are famous for, what you are famous for. Over and over